Well, welcome to this week's edition of Called, Connected, Committed, the first one of the new year, the autumn term 2021. And thank you to so many of you for all your fantastic feedback about this podcast and how it's helping you think about leadership and vision and values and your career and everything. It's been great to be in conversation with so many fantastic people. Today, I am not joined by just one fantastic person, but Two, I'm delighted to be joined by our newly appointed programme lead for some of our MPQ programmes, Joe Lomax, who has just joined our team and uh, we're thrilled to welcome you to the team, Joe, and we're also joined uh, for today's uh, conversation by um, Kat Scutt from the Charter College. Kat is the Director of Education and Research from the Charter College and is also part of the Church of England's Expert Research Challenge Group. So I'm thrilled to welcome you both. And we are going to be talking about the importance of teacher excellence, which seems like an excellent thing to be talking about for a school-based podcast. Um, This month in September 21, um, the Chartered College of Teaching's fantastic impact journal, which I hope you all get. And if you're not a member of the Chartered College, get on that website, get yourself signed up immediately, um, features an article that um, Joe has written Um, which is entitled Teacher Excellence at the Heart of Leadership. And also we're exploring all of our new MPQ programmes in particular. Uh, We are really focused on how we make that quality of teaching and teacher excellence right at the heart of our thinking about leadership. So welcome to you both. We're going to start off with a quote from the DfE who said, the quality of teaching is the single most important in-school factor for improving pupil outcomes. The quality of teaching is the single most important in-school factor for improving pupil outcomes. And I thought that'd be a great place to start. It's quite a bold claim. There are many other factors that one could think about, but I wonder if, um, Kat, you could start us off, um, you know, in terms of your experience and your wider role and everything. What do you make of that claim? I think it stacks up and what might we learn from that in schools? Yeah, um, really interesting. I mean, it's it's something that not of course in those exact words, but something that I've I've referenced uh, many a time. I often use it actually at the, at the start of a presentation that that crucially it is you know is the most important in school factor, and and in particular that it makes the biggest difference um, for pupils from a disadvantaged background. Um, there's been some really interesting research that looks at that and basically looks at the difference that having um, a highly effective teacher versus an average teacher perhaps, versus perhaps a less effective teacher has on um, pupil learning and it's, it's particularly um, stark for people from disadvantaged backgrounds there's a whole bunch of reasons um, which may be to, for that which may be to do with things like um, access to additional tuition or uh, other learning and support that, that those from more advantaged backgrounds might have outside of school that, that isn't there to kind of almost fill gaps um, for people from disadvantaged backgrounds but Interestingly, um, Nick Gibb wrote an article about the early career framework for a relatively recent issue of Impact, and um, that had a a sort of quote, which again articulated that that position in. And I saw a few people kind of challenging that on Twitter. And and as someone who's interested in research, I immediately kind of panicked. They were saying, well, this is not what the research says. And I thought, I'm pretty sure that is what the research says, or I hope it's what the research says, because I've said this plenty of times. And I think the thing that that was really important when I, I got into discussion with these people was that what we mean by the kind of in-school factor, because there are a whole range of things that potentially have have more impact on on pupil outcomes. Um, 
so the thing that they were challenging and it's a very fair point of course is disadvantage itself you know it's it's financial and economic issues it's social issues that uh, that ultimately um, are kind of better predictors in terms of, of a bunch of people outcomes. But I think the point that we have to take from this is that those aren't things that as school leaders, certainly and as teachers, we necessarily have any control over. Um, another one of the major factors that is more closely related to schools themselves is, is sort of the home learning environment. And again, there are things we can try to do about that, but it's not directly in our control as school leaders. It is something though, that when we look at teacher quality, though, that really is something we can do something about. We, we can help our teachers to develop in a whole range of ways. So for me, that that point is absolutely um, crucial and sits at the heart of why actually this is the thing we should be concentrating our efforts on um, at the Charter College of Teaching, but also as, as school leaders, as system leaders, uh, there's nothing more important um, that we can actually control. Otherwise, if we, if we just look at it and say, oh, yeah, but it's a minor factor compared to, um, you know, economic situation then you begin to say, well, let, let's not bother trying to do anything because what's, you know, what's the point? Because we can't control those things. Actually, we've got to focus on those things we can make a difference for and see how much of a difference those can make for pupils. Mm, thanks, Kat. And I mean, Jay, that's the, really, it's the theme of this article, really, how important that all is. I wonder if you could share a bit of your um, thoughts on that, your experience in school and um, your reflections on that. Yeah, I mean, firstly, I, I fully agree with what Kat's saying. And actually, I think it's really brave to, to say, you know, that actually there are some things that we can control and there are some things that we can't, you know, and there are certain factors outside of school that as teachers and school leaders, that as much as we would like to, we actually have no control over. So actually being able to focus on what we can do in school is really important, despite what people outside of the sector might say, think or feel. Um, I think teacher excellence and teaching absolutely is the thing that we should be focusing on but I guess it's how we view what the role of the teacher is as well that's really important because obviously teachers you know yes we stand at the front of the classroom yes we teach yes we set homework yes we assess work but there is also um the wider aspects of the role of, of teachers which is the pastoral side of thing um the safeguarding side which actually to me encompasses what an excellent teacher does um you know, and having an eye on those outside factors, the things that perhaps that happen outside of the classroom, but we're aware of inside of school and the way that it affects children inside of school um, is really important because as teachers, knowing what's going on in our, in our pupils' lives, et cetera, helps us to support them better actually in the classroom. Mm, so that's a really interesting angle actually, because um, we can easily um, reduce kind of the craft of teaching to you know a, a technical ability to transfer you know a body of knowledge from you know my brain into your brain so that you can you know re, re um reuse that in some way or repeat it or remember it or retrieve it under pressurized conditions whereas actually you know your point that teaching is actually of course that is a key part of it but actually you know if we if we each think back to like teachers who've really you know changed our um learning experience and and, and taken us on you know it, there are broader things there in terms of the flour flourishing of ch children in a much broader broad, broader sense and that you know sometimes i think that can get a little bit lost in the pursuit of this is the you know this is the way to teach and if only everybody did exactly this, then everything would be would be okay. I know I'm straying into slightly dangerous territory already in this podcast, but um, I don't know, Kat. Do, what, what do you 
what 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 do you make? I mean, we're saying teacher excellence. What is ex what is teacher excellence? Do you think? Well, I think it's quite important actually that you you've kind of adopted the term teacher excellence as opposed to I guess the term that is is quite widely used, which is around teacher effectiveness. And I think that there's the kind of issue with teacher effectiveness research is, is exactly what you've articulated, that effectiveness tends to mean um, a very specific, quite narrow um, sort of thing, which is which is academic outcomes, ultimately outcomes in standardised tests. And there's a bunch of reasons for that. I mean, one of them is, is that actually people, uh, it, it's one of the common areas, if people say, what are schools for? What, what's great teaching involve? Helping your children to learn is something that, you know, kind of cognitive development is something that we'd probably all agree on, whereas there are other aspects that there might be more debate around. Um, but I think the other reason that, that we tend to focus on that is that it's something that's relatively easy to measure. Um, you know, you can measure outcomes in a test, you can measure how has someone, has someone got better over time, has this person got better outcomes than this person, but there are definitely problems with, uh, with kind of the sort of potentially narrow notion of teacher effectiveness as, as the sole measure we use, because there is something much broader going on, and, and actually Joe and I have been talking um, this week about the kind of definition for teacher excellence that might work and I like one that, that Joe has picked out actually which says excellent teachers motivate pupils to learn in a way that ensures a sustained substantial and positive influence on how they think learn and feel and there's something really nice in the breadth of that that you know sometimes um there can be a kind of bit of criticism about the idea that it's about how you feel as a pupil but of course all of these things you know your confidence your motivation your competence your your self uh, self-efficacy are all tied up in um the, the teaching that you receive so i think that that's a really nice way of defining actually that's from um a uh, baker et al um uh, uh piece but i think there's just something really important there that we are thinking about these broader things as well as of course academic outcomes and learning being there at the heart Mm. And how, I mean, both, I mean how, how do we get to um, communicate this well in school? Because one, one of the challenges of even talking about this in this way is it can accidentally create a bit of a deficit model where you, you're sort of inadvertently saying, you know, this is our aspiration for teacher excellence, these sort of uber humans who are capable of doing absolutely everything. And actually, the problem is we don't have enough excellent teachers. And then when you're communicating that to a group of staff in your own school, there's, there's a nuance to that message that needs to remain kind of motivational rather than, you know, the problem with this school is we don't have enough excellent teachers, which is never a particularly inspiring way of taking people on a journey of teacher development. Joe, I don't know enough about um, the, the staff room of, of the school that you just kind of... Um, move from to join our national team but you know how, how does that kind of message how can leaders kind of make that message land well in their context rather than seeming like a kind of you're not good enough um yeah i mean i've, I've just come and we've talked about this already but from an amazing school and there was a there's a real culture shift around six years ago where i would say teacher excellence was definitely wholeheartedly put at the forefront but with that it took into account all of the other things that we've just been saying but one thing we came back to often was the really famous Dylan William quote about you know and um, teachers need to continue to improve not because they're not good enough but because we've all got the potential to be better and actually if we're telling our students or pupils that we've got you've got potential to get better then it's our responsibility as teachers to model that in our own practice as well um I think that the 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 teacher standard for CPD um, that was published by the DFA a couple of years ago was also a real driving force in that because actually that worked alongside the teacher standards but gave teachers 
um, a clearer insight actually into this is a real responsibility for you as a teacher to improve so that we can improve the outcomes for our pupils and, and enable them to flourish. Um, so, you know, the research is really clear that when teachers are in environments that are supportive and trusting and nurturing and there's that element of mentoring and coaching where teachers feel that actually it's all right to fail and it's not really high stakes when we're trying out new things in our classroom that are kind of evidence informed that you know that is where teachers really feel that the message is actually we can improve and we want to be part of that journey and I think that I think that we did that and continue to do that really well um, at the school we've just moved from. Yeah, and that and that can be such a joy, can't it? You know, particularly if you're in a culture where, like you say, you feel like empowered to take a risk. I mean, I, I think that's um, one of, uh, it's actually a really great barometer of whether teaching is likely to improve our risks taken in this school in teaching, you know, because if, if you feel like you're in a culture that you could, you know, not try random things just to see, you know, in a crazy experimental way, but, you know, I've been trying to learn about this aspect of teaching. I'm going to properly try it today or over this sequence of lessons with this particular class. I want you, you know, your feedback and, and coaching on it. I mean, who does not want to be teaching in a school like that? You know, fantastic. Whereas if you're in a context where you feel like I've just got to comply and any, any sort of risk taking is, you know, you know, yeah. I think it's that's a problem isn't it yeah I think it's really important as well that that we educate our teachers on the fact that change takes a really long time and actually we 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 now have at our fingertips a you know a broad evidence base of what works well in the classroom but what we do know is that that it works in different ways in different contexts and so there isn't a one-size-fits-all approach and therefore teachers need to be guided and supported to to design, you know, initiatives, teaching um, strategies, et cetera, built upon the evidence base, but try it out in their subject in the context that they're in. And again, that that might change depending on the set or the group that you have and so on. But, you know, I have heard of, you know, circumstances where teachers are being asked to follow a certain model with retrieval practice for so long and so many questions asked, et cetera. And when an environment becomes so kind of directive like that and so structured, I think sometimes teachers can feel a little bit suffocated under the pressure of, you know, the accountability of I've got to get that right. And actually teachers become excellent and can really flourish when they are given the autonomy and the professional trust to actually to learn about and do what they feel is going to be the most effective thing in their classroom, in their subject based upon the evidence base yeah we, we that's such a helpful um, point and we, we often talk about um, the flourishing of children um, but we often don't pay enough attention to the flourishing of adults actually and and you know we you know whether it be through the way we think about teaching or through our science inspection framework or whatever you know that the, the flourishing of adults is totally integral to the flourishing of children you know if you think of a classroom um that you go into and the and the adult or adults in that room are flourishing human beings i mean there's basically no better place on earth to be than in that classroom but where where the adults are not flourishing for whatever reason you know it's there's some there's some tough tough things to, to move, move through really there so when we when we're kind of thinking about like lead that leadership development then um leadership development hasn't 
always focused on the importance of teaching. It might focus, it might focus on some many other things, but maybe, maybe sometimes its focus has been a bit broad, broader than that. Whereas the kind of, you know, the ECF and all the new MPQs and all that are kind of, you know, really bringing a very helpful focus, like on, you know, you know, Kat, as you said at the start, like the main thing that you can, you know, affect as a school, the quality of, of teaching. Kat, you've been involved in a lot of those conversations, kind of developing some of that stuff. And obviously the Chartered College of Teaching, one would think you're vaguely positive about the prospects of teaching. Um, you know, what, what do you see as the kind of sort of opportunities, Kat, for leaders to kind of like really put that into, into practice? You know, if you're a busy head teacher or a MAP chief executive, you know, you've got a million other things to do. How can we kind of keep the classroom right at the heart of our leadership thinking? Well, I think the first point is actually something that comes back to your last question in a way, which is this piece around kind of culture and how we can encourage our teachers to develop. And, you know, you'd ask that question, um, is there a risk of this being kind of a deficit model almost that, you know, it feels like you're saying your teachers are not good enough. And, and of course, teachers need to take individual responsibility for their own development. But also, as, um, as Joe's kind of highlighted, one of the things that we know is that actually teacher development is all around the culture in which these people, these teachers are working. If you look at kind of uh, the, the kind of classic work there is the Kraft and Pape study from 2014 that looked at how teachers develop over time and um, and what their research kind of found was that um, you know there's a massively steep kind of development in effectiveness for teachers very early for the first couple of years of their career and so a little bit kind of into the third year and then it sort of flattens out a bit but actually um, if you look at the kind of average that that hides a lot of variation in that in schools that have a really supportive um, trusting strong professional culture teachers continue to improve and in those where they don't they really plateau or even start to get worse over time and there's a point there that you know it, it is ultimately it's a school leader's responsibility to to to, um, to be supporting the culture that exists in their school so when we're saying if our, if we're if we're saying you know the quality of teaching is not good enough that's not about saying or you teachers why are you not good enough it's about thinking what is it about our culture in our school that is not enabling these teachers to be effective? What is it that we're not doing? What's missing? And, and there's a whole bunch of things like Joe talked about around, um, uh, well, you know, things like the kind of CPD culture, the collaboration culture, but also, you know, very practical things like um, one of the things they, the Craft and Pape identified was, was having a kind of consistent um, approach to behaviour management and consistently applied behaviour policies. They didn't really look at what those were specifically, but the point was that actually everyone knew what they were and everyone applied them. And that meant that teachers' time was not taken up um, kind of handling uh, behavior management issues that then takes time away from the most important thing, the teaching. Um, and there was a point as well around kind of autonomy and, and trust and that you've got to be able to trust teachers to make the right decisions. And I think that's the one thing we need to make sure we get right when, when we have this focus in the new MPQs um, on the kind of elements of teaching that school leaders should know about. Um, exactly as, as kind of has already been highlighted, what you want is for that to mean that, that, that your school leaders understand what effective teaching might look like, what effective practices might be, but not to then create a kind of dictatorial list of this is what I expect to see in every classroom. You, you don't want that to kind of uh, unintentionally reduce the trust that should be there and, and the autonomy that teachers should have. One, um, one really interesting um, piece of work, I must have been probably 18 months ago now from Teacher Development Trust and NFER looked at um, teacher autonomy and how that compared to other professions and there's something quite interesting going on it's all self-report so of course there may be a whole bunch of reasons that teachers feel less autonomous but what was quite interesting was that 
um, teachers early in their career feel slightly less autonomous and uh, maybe people in leadership positions feel more autonomous. But between that, just having more experience um, in the classroom didn't mean that people felt more autonomous. And in most professions, you would expect that actually, even if you are strictly in the same role, you are kind of given more trust and uh, more independence and more autonomy um, because you know your knowledge is developing. So there's something interesting happening there that we maybe um, don't see enough of that there's not, you know, there's not that sense of actually teacher expertise, meaning uh, greater autonomy. Yeah, that's really helpful. And Joe, I mean, Joe, your exciting new role is to, you know, to, to lead and oversee, our, you know, our specialist qualifications. If you'd have, you know, if you joined the team a few years ago, you're, you'd now be about to lead a programme called the MPQ ML, you know, for middle leaders. It's quite a shift in these new MPQs to have, like this real kind of clarity around, you know, leading teaching as one, leading teacher development as another, leading behavior and culture um, as another. I mean, what, what kind of, what's sort of exciting you about, about those specialist courses? Why should people get involved in them? Yeah, I think we've, we've spoke about this before, but I, I mean, generally, I think that, that leading teacher development, leading teacher should be at the forefront of what schools are doing and actually that we should be prioritizing um you know teacher excellence and developing the knowledge of school leaders on how to create programs of professional development that that improves teacher excellence um and how to do that in a range of different contexts and i think that it's really demonstrated the importance of that by the fact that some of these are kind of fully funded etc etc um, but what we have now that we didn't necessarily have before um, is is a range of kind of evidence about what effective professional development in school actually looks like um, you know and I think that that gives us a really really good starting point over the next couple of years of building um, you know a nation of schools where professional development and developing teacher excellence really is at the heart of it. What I also think that we have, and this is quite a personal experience, so you may well disagree, but I think we do have a new generation of school leadership. Um, even in my experience of working in the school I was in for 10 years, you know, the last five or six years under new leadership has, was significantly different to the first. Um, and as I said earlier, with professional development and teacher excellence really at the heart of what it was that we need to support our pupils and improve those outcomes. And I think that that is reflective of a shift, you know, across the country, perhaps not in every school, of course. Um, but I think there is a lot more interest and focus now on what actually is excellent professional development in teaching and actually is the best way to lead our schools so that we can develop teacher excellence. And I think that these, these programs of professional development are a really, really welcome um, and really timely um, opportunity for teachers to develop the knowledge and understanding around that. Yeah, amazing. I mean, if you're um, listening to this and thinking, how do you get involved in that? You know, the Church of England is one of the nine um, lead providers of the MPQs. We're providing them in every part of the country actually so wherever you're listening to this assuming it's in England there'll be somewhere you can do those programs um, close by to you uh, working with about 100 delivery partners including a quarter of all the teaching school hubs across the country which is really exciting to have made those partnerships so do um, check out our website and stuff for that. Um, Kat I wonder if we could close out just um, I mean probably we'd expect you to think this but you know the need for a kind of 
central professional body for teaching. Um, it, it, you know, give us a little sense of what, you know, people are listening probably are already involved in the Chartered College and have, you know, been part of that for a while maybe, but if they're not, like, still a relatively new thing, I guess. Um, why, why can that be an important part of the architecture as well as the programmes and what goes on in school and so on? So for me, I think about it as being that that point that we've made about how important school culture is for um, for developing teachers and allowing them to to flourish. But there's always that challenge. We know, you know, when you're a, you're a teacher in a school and you want to do something which you know is evidence informed, but actually um, the school you're working in has a policy that requires you to do something different. That's really difficult. And there's a risk of you having the same almost at a system level where actually the schools are really embracing uh, kind of ideas and approaches that are really evidence informed. But sometimes the system is not at that point as well. And, and actually, if you want kind of coherent sense of teaching as a developmental profession, you need to have um, the sort of structures in place at every level I think for that to work so there's got to be teachers who are wanting to engage in these things there's got to be schools multi-academy trusts um, groups of schools and different structures wanting to engage in these things but you've also got to have at a system level a real commitment to these things um, you know there's a sense of that coming through of course in in things like government funded programs that that we have available at the moment but actually a professional body for teachers where teachers can engage with that as individuals but we're also influencing and supporting um, providers and uh, and policymakers and um, and school leaders at all different levels, I think is really important. And and for me, actually, it also goes back to that point around, um, you know, when we look at comparable professions around teacher autonomy and things like that, actually having a professional body that puts us on the same sort of status as uh, the medical professions with the Royal Medical Colleges, um, uh, you know, chartered engineers, all of these kinds of things that actually we've not had um, in the same way historically, the uh, the the GTC that some of you will will uh, be, be old yeah. enough to remember, have been teaching long enough to remember, um, just didn't function in the same way. It was ultimately a regulatory body, but it didn't have the kind of developmental supportive function that is at the heart of what a, a sort of royal college should be doing. And we, we're um, we're the chartered college, but ultimately aspire to become uh, the royal college. There are some uh, some steps that the organisations have to go through, including having been established for a sort of certain length of time before one can apply to be a royal college. But that ultimately, of course. Is, is our goal as an organisation and, and making teaching be seen as a profession where teachers are experts, where they're supported at every level to develop their expertise, that, that professional learning is seen as a core part of what being a teacher is, that there are all sorts of different career progression routes. All of these things should be at the heart of being a professional. So, so that for me is, is why it's so important to have a professional body that's supporting and representing and enabling those things to happen. Yeah, great. Hey, well, thank you both so much for joining us on our podcast today. Um, hope you found that. Well, I hope you've both found that interesting to me in the conversation. Yeah. I certainly feel like I've learned a lot even in these 25 minutes. And for those listening, hope you found that helpful. Do um, check out the other episodes or on Spotify and lots of very interesting people that we've been chatting to over the last uh, couple of years. So do, do check out the back. Um, episodes as well but thank you Kat thank you Joe um, if you are not a member of the Charter College what better reason to become one than to see the new impact journal for the autumn where you can read Joe's article in full um, and uh, I'm sure we can arrange for a signed copy to be sent to your school if you're so interested um, thank you so much for joining us and we will see you all next time thank you